0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for April 16th, 2018. And it looks like this should be a cleaner slate. Not too many weather concerns. Uh, there is one cold game, which I guess we have to pay attention to the temperatures all of a sudden because the Angels-Royals game got canceled really with no rain in the forecast, just cold. And there's actually there have been a few games canceled due to the cold this year. I think, I think the games are probably starting a little bit too early in the season. They tried to start the season... Uh, a couple weeks earlier this year just to have the games more spaced out. And the result has been that we've had almost as many cancellations in the first three weeks of the season as there was for the entire 2017 season. So it looks like the games are going to be starting a little bit too early. Uh, This slate looks pretty decent for tomorrow, though. There's a couple of high-priced pitchers. I don't know how interested I am in either of them. So, Matt, what do you think of Jacob deGrom and Aaron Nola tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I'm not interested in the high-priced pitchers really at all. Um, I think DeGrom and Nola are kind of just priced around their baseline numbers, and they both have tough matchups. DeGrom's matchup could be an easier one depending on who the Nationals start because Anthony Rendon has been dealing, I think, with a foot injury, Um, and Ryan Zimmerman is kind of just playing every other day right now. So if those guys are out of the lineup, maybe DeGrom becomes more interesting, but I think that I'm kind of just off him. There's also going to be better, cheaper options. Uh, and then Nola's matchup is not really an easy one. So I don't really like Nola at 10,400 either. Um, so maybe some interest in DeGrom, but no interest in Aaron Nola.
0: So do you think it's an easier matchup for DeGrom with Matt Adams in the lineup with Ryan Zimmerman in the lineup?
1: It's, it's Ryan Zimmerman's a better hitter than Matt Adams. Um, I know Matt Adams has power. He's, I guess, good for DFS sometimes because he's cheap, but I don't actually think he's very good. Let's, uh, just looking at his numbers, I mean, he's he's a slightly above average hitting first baseman. It's it's okay. I mean, if you look at his numbers compared to Zimmerman last year, though, Adams had a 112 WRC plus, and then I'm pulling up Zimmerman's, but I think it was way above that. Um, let's see, Zimmerman, 138 last year. But Zimmerman's been really bad to start the season, so I guess it's not a huge deal. Um, he if- was also
0: a replacement level player two seasons ago.
1: Yeah, but there were some tangible changes that he made with his launch angle, and he had been injured in previous years, so, I mean, maybe he's playing hurt now, I'm not sure. Uh, There are days where Zimmerman and Adams are both in the lineup, though, so if Zimmerman's out, then, I mean, that might be no change to Adams anyway, because Adams sometimes plays the outfield. Uh, Either way, it's a downgrade if Zimmerman's out, because the rest of the Nationals are pretty bad. They don't have a good bench, Uh, but Rendon seems to be the more significant injury impact, because Wilmer Defoe is not a good hitter, and whoever they use instead, like I think Moises Sierra or Brian Goodwin or one of those guys, those they're way worse hitters than Anthony Rendon, so he, he's the more notable injury impact.
0: Yeah, either way, I, I don't think I'm rostering DeGrom, regardless of who's in the lineup for the Nationals. Uh, 11500 I just think is a pretty fair price tag for DeGrom. He does have some strikeout upside, but to me it's more that the pitchers I really like on this slate are in the mid-tier range. James Paxton's at 8,000. It's a brutally tough matchup for him against the Astros. But Paxton is so much better than an 8,000 price tag that I still think he's worth rostering. He got off to a bad start. His first uh, first outing of the year got destroyed by the Indians. But after that, he's bounced back 18 and a half fantasy points against the Twins, then 25 fantasy points and 10 strikeouts against the Royals. So 8,000 for Paxton, I think that's a good price for him. And then we have Blake Snell at 7,800, Luis Castillo for 7,300. I think these three are the the pitchers that I really want to roster tomorrow. Do you have any disagreements with those three guys?
1: No, I think it could be worth just using each of them in two-thirds of lineups. That's definitely the tier I'm looking at. Um, Some people may look at Ronaldo Lopez, who has really good stats results-wise to start the year, but his peripherals are terrible, and we'll get into that when we talk about offense. Um, as far as who we're actually going to use, though, it's Paxton, Snell, and Castillo. I don't, I really don't know if there's anyone else that looks even remotely interesting. Like Jaime Garcia would be the next pitcher I'd consider, but the other guys priced around him are just so much better options. Um, there's certainly risk with all three of these guys, especially Paxton and Castillo, because Castillo just is inherently boom or bust in the way he pitches. Uh, strikes out a lot of batters, walks a lot of batters, gives up a lot of hard contact, so high ceiling, low floor.
0: So for for Snell. You can say the same exact things about him.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the matchup, though, well, sort of the same thing with the matchup, but there's the way the Brewers have played offense the last year plus, um, they fit right into that. They either strike out a lot or they hit for a lot of power. Texas kind of also, but They're just a weaker offense, I think, than the Brewers, especially with Elvis Andrews out. Like You really only have to worry about Adrian Beltre and Joey Gallo, but Snell's a lefty. Um, So Snell probably is my favorite pitcher because I think he's arguably better than Castillo. Very similar, like you said. Um, I think he's a little worse than Paxton, but he's got a way easier matchup. Um, So I like Snell the most, and maybe I would go something like 80% Eighty percent Snell, and then sixty percent each. If those numbers, yeah, if those numbers add up, sixty uh, percent each on Paxton and Castillo. Um, so, do you agree with leaning Snell, or do you really think it's just a toss up for all three of these guys?
0: Yeah, to me, it's just kind of a toss up for all three. I think all of them have a lot of upside. I think all of them have risk. The other thing also is there are a lot of offenses that I like on this slate, so I think it makes sense to just go with a tight pitching core these three, and then where you differentiate your lineups are with the offenses. So are there any other pitchers you like? Because if not, we can just get into the bats.
1: Yeah, I think we can move to offense. Just scanning through here. Well, I'll mention one more guy. If you need the savings, and I guess I probably won't end up using him because we don't need the savings, Daniel Mangdon's at home against the White Sox. And I think he's, he's potentially an average pitcher. So we have someone who I'd probably call average at home for a very low price against the White Sox in a pitcher's spark. So there's, there's upside for Mangden. I'm just going to throw his stats up real quick before um, before we get yeah, to offense. Yeah, I have him up right now.
0: Well, his ERA he, he for the... A, yeah, so he has a 6.19 ERA this year, except a little bit unlucky because he has a 2.75 FIP. Um, it's funny because I think his expected results are probably just somewhere in the middle of those two, in between the ERA and the FIP. Uh, he's not a high strikeout guy, so there's not a ton of upside in him, except he doesn't walk a lot of guys. I, I think that he's a pretty just mediocre pitcher who I'd expect to have, you know, ERA in like the low to mid fours or so. And I, I definitely think that he is uh, a fine play for his price tag. Um, so maybe, yeah, I agree, if I needed the salary savings, I would go to Mengen, but right now it looks like we won't need that. Uh, do you think you will end up rostering Mengen at all?
1: I th- I would say probably yes, but a very small amount. I think that's where I'm at right now. Like, I think he's a very distant fourth choice behind the other three guys we mentioned, but I still think it might be worth rostering him. If you're going with more than 20 lineups, like if we were doing 150 lineups or something, then I definitely would want some of Mengen. Um, yeah, I'll say probably, but not definitely as, as far as rostering him in one out of 20 lineups.
0: All right, so getting into the offenses, uh, one thing that is notable is there are a ton of games where the wind is blowing off the center field, which is probably going to help create some extra home runs on the slate tomorrow. The offense that I think has the highest expected output is the Chicago Cubs at home against Adam Wainwright. Wainwright was bad last year. I don't see any reason to think he's going to be better this year. He's started the season very poorly. The Cubs' offense should be pretty good this year. Another game where the wind's blowing out. Generally, whenever the wind is blowing out to center field at Wrigley, it tends to be pretty significant. So Wainwright this year, 5.06 ERA, a uh 22.2% home run to fly ball rate. So he's pretty homer prone. I like the Cubs' offense on the high end, and I think they have the highest expected output. Is there any team that you think should score more runs or more fantasy production than the Cubs tomorrow?
1: Well, I guess we need to see what the wind is exactly because we have our wind forecast, but it's still the night before. And, you know, if it's 20 miles an hour straight out to center field, I definitely think the Cubs have the highest expected output. But if it's, you know, 12 to 15 miles an hour and it's sort of a crosswind where maybe it's a boost, but it's not as much of a boost as we'd like, the Cubs still could have the highest expected output, um, but they don't have Anthony Rizzo. So that's going to make them worse than what they normally would be. Um, they are pretty expensive, but just pure expected output. I I think as long as the wind is helping in any way, they probably are the team that should score the most runs and the most fantasy points.
0: All right, so what are the other offenses that you're really looking at for this slate? Uh, for me, it's definitely Cubs number one. Uh, who else would you put up with them?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Oakland is probably in the same neighborhood just because they have so much home run upside they have, their team is basically just all power hitters especially Chris Davis and Matt Olson they're pretty reasonably priced and Ronaldo Lopez I, I mean as well as he's pitched so far this year his peripherals don't support and I, I I think he's pretty bad the White Sox bullpen is bad so there's a lot of upside for the A's they should I mean they have as good of a chance to hit home runs as anyone outside of the Cubs game and maybe even including the Cubs game just because of the quality of the power hitters um and then the Blue Jays also, against Eric Skoglund at home, even without Josh Donaldson, they're worth considering too. But I think the Blue Jays are more just for salary savings because they don't have Josh Donaldson, and the team just isn't that good right now. Um, it's a pretty bad lineup, and 4800 for smoke, even in a plus matchup. Um, I, I don't really like that price. Uh, but as far as plugs, the Blue Jays would be definitely a good source uh, for their right-handed hitters. Um, but it, I think my favorite stacks are the Cubs, the A's, and then... We'll have to see what the wind looks like in New York, because the Mets are at home against Jeremy Hellickson, so that could potentially be a really strong spot, too.
0: Yeah, the wind is expected to be blowing out there. Uh, Steve Pierce, definitely a really strong value play for the Blue Jays. He is at 3,100. The other thing, too, that you said before the podcast, which I think definitely holds true, is we typically see a lot of pinch hitters for Toronto, but they have so many injuries that they don't, they don't have the deep bench to bring in guys like Curtis Granderson to pinch hit for Steve Pierce because Granderson probably has to start. So that makes the Toronto players a little bit safer than they normally are and a lot of upside just because Scoglin is so bad. Uh, other offenses, I definitely agree with you on the Mets. The Phillies, I think a really good spot for them. They're going up against Julio Terran, who's been awful this year. Reese Hoskins is pretty expensive, 5400 The rest of the Phillies' offense is relatively cheap, so I like them a lot. Uh, I think my two favorite offenses are probably the Phillies and the Cubs. Uh, any other teams you want to throw out there?
1: No, I'm just pulling up Teron splits because he's really bad against lefties, and I think Carlos Santana and um, Cesar Hernandez, and then if Nick Williams is starting, Odubel Herrera. I definitely like those guys. Um, But against righties, Teron's generally better. So I'm not sure how much I want to use of someone like Reese Hoskins. Um, Teron's still below average against righties. Last year, he had a 425 and a 425 XFIP, 7.6 Ks, 1.5 walks per nine against righties. I I think I, I don't really like the Phillies as much as a stack because of that, but I do definitely like their lefties. So I might just have them more as plugs, but good spot for them too. Um, And like you said before, there's a lot of good offensive spots. So sticking to three, maybe four pitchers and just kind of rotating the offenses. I think that's probably the move for the slate. So
0: this might seem ridiculous to say. I think that Teron could be worse this year than he was last year. Teron was very bad last year. Uh, He has started this season with, I think, an ERA in the sevens and a fifth in the sevens. He's also throwing his fastball in the 80s this year. So his fastball velocity went down to the low 90s last year and it's down even farther this season. Like, I just think that Tehran is going to be one of the worst pitchers in baseball this season.
1: Yeah, that's certainly possible, and that definitely makes the Phillies more intriguing. Um, I don't know. It's still a pretty small sample size, even for velocity, but certainly not irrelevant. Yeah, that definitely boosts the Phillies a bit, so I'll include them as potential stacks. Yeah, very alarming velocity numbers for someone who already wasn't good to begin with. Um, and uh,
0: just, just to go over, because I have him in front of right me now, here's Teron's number so far this year 7.07 ERA, 7.42 FIP. He's striking out 7.71 guys per nine innings, and he's walking 6.43, 34% ground ball rate. So he's generating no ground balls and a 19% home run to fly ball rate so far this year. The wind is also blowing out tomorrow in Atlanta, is the expectation.
1: Yeah, uh, lots of good things going for the Phillies. So, um, yeah, that, uh, that's a very strong spot for them. Um, one more team to mention, I guess, before we wrap up. The Astros' offense probably will have zero ownership because after Bartolo Colon almost threw a perfect game against them, I think people will probably be a little bit down on Houston's offense. And James Paxton is really good, but we may be looking at a little bit of wind blowing out in Seattle. And if you can get the Astros' offense at, I don't know, if they're all under 5% ownership— then that's probably worth doing at least a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure about this one yet, but Seattle does have a pretty bad bullpen, so if Paxton just, for whatever reason, doesn't have a good game, I think it is sort of an okay strategy to have the Astros as hedges for some of these lineups. But what do you think uh, Paxton's ownership will look like? Because I guess I'd be more inclined to do it if Paxton is going to be really chalky. I'm, I'm just not sure if he will be or not.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, well, that's really tough to say because— Like, the other day, what was it, Saturday night, I thought Mike Miner was a really good value, and I thought that he was going to be relatively chalky, and then he had zero ownership. So I would say that people don't like to use pitchers against the Astros' offense, but then I don't know how to leverage that against how bad the Astros' offense was today, and people tend to have a lot of recency bias. So I'll guess that Paxton ends up around 20% on.
1: Yeah, that's probably not quite enough where... It's worth sacking Houston on that alone, but the Astros hitters should be pretty unpopular picks, so maybe it's worth it just for that reason. Um, yeah, DeGrom probably will be one of the higher-owned pitchers. Maybe just kind of a mix, though. There, There's there's a decent amount of good choices, and maybe some people roster Ronaldo Lopez, some people use Nola. Yeah, we, we can't really leverage too much against any of the pitchers with these offense picks, so I guess just go with the best pricing value, and there's certainly enough of that.
0: All right, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at DFS. Matt Stewart handles that Preaching Sense, and we'll be back for Tuesdays slate.